We want to pick up our study of God's Big Ten by focusing on the Seventh Commandment, Thou shalt not commit adultery. It is popular to believe that morals have no influence over the productivity of a society, but before you believe this modern hedonism, listen as our study leader Dave Wurtson shows us how you cannot expect someone who lives for the pleasure principle to do the hard work needed if we're going to build families, towns, and cities, and ultimately a nation. Life is hard. It's hard to get up in the morning. It's hard to put in a good eight-hour day. It's hard to bring that salary home. It's hard to put a house up. It's hard to keep a job. It's hard to put food on the table. It's hard to raise kids. And as the land starts to be falling into breaking the seventh commandment, everybody starts to devote themselves just to fulfilling those passions, just to have a good time. And the land begins to mourn. In old Israel, it was directly connected with the, with the rain that the Lord gave, with the prosperity that he gave agriculturally. And the prophet is picturing for you, he's saying, I am broken because the land is full of adultery. He goes on and says this, both the prophet and the priest are godless in verse 11. Even in my temple, I find their wickedness. In other words, the priests and the prophets were carrying on adulterous relationships right in the temple of Jerusalem. Isaiah talks about this as well. And so we have a time which is very similar than our own. Pastors that have affairs with one person after another. And then they just change churches when they're found out. There's never any powerful repentance, real turning away from that. And the prophet Jeremiah is saying this is the way it was in his day before the fall of the southern kingdom. The prophets, the ones that should have been the life instructors, the ones that should have been hammering home and teaching the small children from the time that they were just little guys and little girls, the Ten Commandments, those men that should have been teaching the Ten Commandments were violating every one of them. And I want you to see that interconnectedness. Like spiritual leaders, like people. Like people, like spiritual leaders. Same thing is true politically. Like people, like political leaders. And the Old Testament is very clear on how the leadership is responsible. The prophet goes on in verse 12. Therefore their path will become slippery. They will be banished by the dark to darkness, and there they will fall. I will bring disaster on them in the, year, in, a, in the year they are punished. Among the prophets of Samaria, I saw this repulsive thing. They prophesied by Baal and led my people Israel astray. Among the prophets of Jerusalem, I have seen something horrible. They commit adultery and they live a lie. And what Jeremiah is putting his finger on is the connection between committing adultery, and then breaking the commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness. And I want to plead with you because as, as you listen to my voice, I know that people have listened to my voice. They have sat here real nice on a Sunday morning. They look good with their family. But they have started to live a lie. And breaking the seventh commandment begins with a lie. 
The great righteous man Job said a very, very powerful thing. In Job, he tells us this. I made a covenant with my eye. I made a covenant with my eye not to look upon a woman lustfully. We have made, in our society, the lustful look, the expected look, the look that we advertise with, the look that we sell products with, the look that permeates all of our society. And the Word of God comes to you and He says to you girls, God wants you to be safe. God wants you to be able to find a man who's stronger than you, Lord willing, probably, and he's going to be dependable, and you're going to be able to trust him, and he will not lie to you. And that'll never come from a lustful look. It's impossible. You can't have a guy who, when he looks at a woman, is undressing her and is thinking in his mind lustfully. You can't develop dependability out of that. You can't develop truthfulness out of that. You can't develop honesty out of that. And the prophet Jeremiah is putting his finger on this lying and then adultery. And the way the lying starts is that you start, guys, you start feeling things inside of you for the opposite sex that you shouldn't feel. And at first, you know the difference. You see, all of us, as we relate together, especially in a church family, especially when you start to draw together in a close church family, I guarantee you that there will be thoughts that come into your mind where you switch from a brother-sister relationship to a, I desire you, sexual relationship and it happens in your mind and it happens with looks the wise godly christ-like person recognizes that instantaneously and they run to the cross and they say lord this is why you died this is what you've delivered me from this thought within me is external to me but it's coming inside of me it's not what i really am and i'm not going to listen to it because it's a lie and i'm not going to believe it i'm going to think about neighbor relationship and legitimate relationships and so when a man starts to look at another man's wife he automatically jumps she belongs to her husband and I pray for her husband, and I pray for her, and I pray that they'll be one in their relationship, and it's out of bounds to relate sexually. And it happens in your mind. But you know what some of you do? You pretend. You start saying, that's not really happening in my mind. It's not really what's going on. You go to the movies. The movies can be a very powerful thing to communicate messages of life and messages of reality. But much of what you watch on this screen is not a message of life, it's a message of death. The incredible thing to me is that many of you will go to a movie and you'll say, hey man, you really need to see this. And I'll come back and say, did you notice so-and-so? And you go, oh, you old prude, I didn't see that at all. And the basic idea is, you know, you, you must be, you and Mary are, are from you must be from outer space. Where were you all raised? And the basic idea is, you know, how could you have, you know, why even make a big point about that? Now, I want to share something with you. In the arts, I don't have any trouble at all with a movie that you go to 
like David and Bathsheba, the real biblical story, which hasn't been filmed in Hollywood yet. But I would love for all of you to go to the real story of David and Bathsheba. I'd like you to go through the scintillating experience that David had, but then I'd like you to see Uriah's blood pouring out in a battlefield because of David's adultery. I'd, just see, I'd like you to see his precious little baby that was conceived in that adulterous union sick. And I'd like you to see a mom and dad crying out in tremendous agony because a little boy's life's going to be gone. I'd like you to see the whole story of David's family disintegrating. In other words, I'd like you to see what adultery really produces. Because that's a moral story that'll teach you not to do it. In fact, those stories down through the years have given me tremendous terror. It gives me tremendous fear because I know how vulnerable I am. And I know that in just, just a very short time, I could tear Mary's life apart. Someone that she really trusted, someone that taught her the word of God, someone that, that lived with her more than 20 years. In just a short period of time, I could tear it all up and it could be broken in such a way that I'd never be able to look at Joel again a certain way. He'd never be able to depend upon his dad like he can now. And what I want you to know is those things are really precious to me. There's a terror in my soul not to start to think of the lie. And I'm just sharing with you right from my guts because you men need to start to think about what's happening in your mind. And you women need to think about what's happening in your mind and there needs to be a holy terror. And if you're, if you're inoculated, if, it, if, it, if people do it and you get away with it, and in the movies when Tom Cruise does it, it looks so easy. It looks so normal. It looks so beautiful. It isn't. It tears lives apart. It doesn't give kids security in their home. And God comes hammering home. I love you. I'm a flight instructor. Don't commit adultery. And it begins with a lie in your mind. What happens if you don't listen? You start to develop a split. You have one life where you're thinking very much in terms of lust and developing intimacy and closeness with maybe a coworker or maybe someone that you've gotten to know. And there's a whole part of your life that's very deceptive. You know the thoughts are wrong, but the thoughts make you feel alive. The thoughts make you feel like, you're, like life is in such a boring thing. And like even if you were to die, if you could have just this one relationship, you'd really live. And you got that whole focus on an illegitimate love. And then you can break out of it and you can come to church and you can read your Bible. You can even preach if you're a preacher. You can do all kinds of things. And man, in fact, it'll fuel, it'll fuel those legitimate things. You'll become someone that can never get away from church. You'll become someone that buries yourself. You'll be someone that, that gets all involved in moral causes because you've got the split. Because you're trying to cover up the guilt here and you're running in this direction. Your life starts to go like this. The split can get so bad. It can become so bad that I've worked with some people that they forgot there's a split anymore. In other words, when they're in this mode, they act a certain way. They're immoral. 
they're adulterous, they are deceitful, they are lying. But when they're in their church mode, they look like super saints. We had a guy that went through graduate school in theology. He taught at church, an eloquent preacher, did exactly what I'm doing, taught the Word of God, told people about the Word of God. He just happened to get on some other clothes and put a hood on, and he was a North Dallas rapist. You say, how in the world can that ever happen? I just told you how. It happened when you're little bitty kids, and you start not being truthful, and you start developing that split between what's really going on in your life and what's true and what isn't. And instead of being a humble, sincere, honest person that gets open with the Lord and open with others, you start to believe the lie. And Moses, through the power of God, is coming us to us today, and he's saying, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Old Israel did it, and the old Israel was taken into captivity. The old southern kingdom did it, and they were taken into captivity. And the United States thinks we can do it, and it will not fracture our society, but it will. And the hope is not just to cry out, thou shalt not commit adultery. The hope is in Jesus Christ we can learn to obey, and it needs to begin right here. It needs to begin among the people of God who start to get incredibly honest who get incredibly honest. Thou shalt not commit adultery. What we're doing today is no child that grew up in church should be able to feel that I never heard that adultery was wrong. So that from the time that they're just little tiny kids, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt be sexually pure, needs to mean a great deal to us. And then we need to start to be really honest with one another. In other words, that you start to experience illicit thoughts. You need to have a friend that you go to and say, I am thinking so-and-so-and-so-and-so. And, so and, so and, so. and I want to start to meet with you on a regular basis. And we're going to pray about this together. And you develop accountability relationships. If you don't do that, you're just playing. You're just playing church. You're just playing relationship. If you don't have people that you're close enough to, that you can really be honest and they will join with you and you will protect one another, then we're just playing. And families will continue to explode and little children will continue to have trust torn away because Jesus has called us to live together. Thou shalt not commit adultery. It begins with the lustful eye with a lustful thought. It begins inside. And God says the penalty for that is death. And we need to get that into our souls, that it's going to kill us. That's how bad it is. You say, what about the New Testament? Well, in the New Testament, we do have Joseph, for example, when he thought that Mary had committed adultery against him because even if a woman was engaged, their engagement was a little bit more binding then our modern engagement, an espousal in the Old Testament and in the early New Testament was a lot like a marriage, only it wasn't consummated. So when Joseph thought that Mary had been unfaithful, he said he was going to put her away quietly. 
So divorce became one of the means by which they dealt with an adulterous affair. It didn't have to produce a divorce, but in Matthew 5 and Matthew 19, adultery was so serious that it could destroy a marriage. It didn't have to. And God's forgiveness can put a marriage back together again, but adultery does something to a marriage probably more powerful than just about anything that can happen in that relationship. It tears it. Now, God's grace can stitch it back together again, but it's important for us to realize this tearing. In John chapter 8, the story that I alluded to earlier, in John chapter 8, the Pharisees brought the woman to Jesus. And here she had been caught red-handed, supposedly, according to religious leaders. But notice that the guy isn't there. And the Pharisees say to Jesus, shouldn't she die? Shouldn't she die? And Jesus just got down on the ground and he started writing in the sand. Started writing in the sand. And he slowly looked up and he looked at the crowd of Pharisees with a stone in their hand. He says, okay, he who has no sin, let him cast the first stone. Then he started writing again. And one by one, the different men left. And then Jesus looked up and I want you to see something. Jesus is the one man that could have stoned her into oblivion because he knew no sin. He's the one man that a woman was totally safe with always. Mary Magdalene, who lived a terrible, immoral past, who'd been abused by men, and she had abused men all of her life, when she met Jesus of Nazareth, she was with a man that she was totally safe who could always relate to her just as an older brother and could provide all the companionship and all the friendship without sexual exploitation. Jesus was the one man that never sinned, and he could have thrown this stone, but he didn't. I know with an audience this size, it's very important. Some of you have broken the seventh commandment. Remember what Jesus said, for us, he says, if you look upon a woman, like when I said I haven't committed it, I meant externally. Because in our hearts, which is where the Lord said that the fountain begins, the fountain of destruction begins in the heart. He says, if you even look upon a woman, and you would if you could, then you've committed it. And that kind of levels the ground before me. And Jesus comes to us and he says... Where are those that accuse you? Now, I want you to notice something. Jesus did not say that the seventh commandment wasn't in effect anymore. Jesus didn't say that the punishment wasn't a just punishment. He just said, where are those that accuse you? And then he said something very important. He says, go and sin no more. You know what our society wants to say? We want to take John 8. We want to take John 8, and this is what we do with it. The Pharisees were bigots. They were hypocrites. They were going to stone this person. Man, they had sin in their own life. And then we want to go on and say is, there really isn't a commandment anymore, thou shalt not commit adultery, because what we have Jesus say in the modern world is, go and do your thing again. And I want you to see how different it is. It is very, very hard. It is very, very, very hard to get across the balance of the scripture. It's very hard to get across to you. Thou shalt not commit adultery. 
In fact, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says if you commit adultery, then you could go to hell for that. That's what it says. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, Why don't you know that these things, those that do these things, shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Incredible verses. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he has a whole list of things, and one of those things is adultery. Now that's tough. You say, Dave, you mean to tell me that if we commit adultery, that we're going to burn in hell forever and ever? If it's not forgiven, if it's not brought to Jesus, yes, that's how serious it is. But Jesus looked at the adulterous woman. He says, go and sin no more. You have come to me. Now go and sin no more. Evangelical Christianity has said, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Believe in Jesus. You must be born again. Bring all of your immorality. Bring all of your crime. Bring everything to him. And that's true. But you know what the problem is? We've never said, go and sin no more. Just this past week, another violent criminal was released, or the story came out of how he had been released. And they, you don't know that the media is really being accurate or not, but they said somehow it had to do with him being born again. And he went out and murdered and did violence again. And there's large segments of the police force or those that work in prisons that'll say all this born-again stuff, it's just a ploy. Well, we understand how a criminal can have a ploy be born again. But I believe that's happening in our culture, in our churches. And I want us to really be honest with one another. There should be, there should be a radical new life a radical difference in our life ethically because Jesus is present. In other words, what we want to commit ourselves to is that because Jesus died on the cross to wash our sins away, because he did rise again to give us a new life, we no longer obey the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery, because it's on, a, on an external tablet. We obey it because it's on our heart. Remember how I started? I talked about like trying to land. It's really, really hard to land. And how John said, put your feet on there with me and I'll help you. You know what would even be better? You know what would even be better? If somehow John could pour himself inside of me and his feet would become my feet and his hands would become my hands, and his mind would become my mind in flying, and he became part of me, and then I could submit to that, and I know how to do it. That's what Jesus has done for us. That's the difference of the new covenant. Jesus has climbed inside of us, and now he teaches us from within how to live. You say, Dave, how do you fulfill the seventh commandment? Well, I don't put it on my mirror every day. Thou shalt not commit adultery. I don't play tapes in my ears. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's how I'm not going to be able to be honest with you. Those techniques for me just fuel. I, it brings all kinds of thoughts about adultery. You say, Dave, how do you keep from committing adultery? Number one, I remember how much I love Mary. 
Really do. I go back over our marriage history. I remember how I met her. Remember all the experiences that we've had. When those illicit thoughts come in, remember how much I love Mary. And I picture how much it would destroy her if I committed adultery. You know what? It makes me sick to my stomach to even think about it. Because true love turns you away from sin. I think of Jonathan, I think of Joel, I think of Joshua and Janae, I think of all those legitimate relationships. And when I'm tempted, I remember my legitimate loves. And the final love that I think about is I remember my Savior hanging on the cross saying, I love you, Dave. I love you. And that immoral thought that's in your mind that thought to commit adultery is what nailed me there. Now love me. Let me love you. You see, those that struggle the most with adultery, the big struggle in their life is they, they don't have legitimate loves or they're not hearing the legitimate love. They're listening to illicit loves and lies and deception. And the victory over it is not a code book. It is love. As I speak to you, I once again plead with you, don't fight with your flight instructor. Don't get angry with him. I know some of you have blown your families apart because of adultery. And what I want you to know is that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses you from every sin. If you've repented, if you've turned to him, if you come back to him, then you are free. You are clean. It doesn't remove some of the hurts. doesn't take away some of the scars. But I want you to know the person that's committed adultery, that's been forgiven, will shout amen because you more than anyone else will know the validity and the truthfulness of what we've been talking about. And oh, I plead with you, let Jesus wash it away. And then, as part of the legitimate people of God, build on faithfulness, build on truthfulness. You beat illicit lust by focusing on true love.